Hi, I'm Gio. And I'm Renee, and this is Listen To Me Podcast, where you get all the greatest and unqualified advice from qualified creatives. Basically, we go through it so that you can publish that high school novel. We know you can do it. (laughs) It's like the most lackluster take (laughs) of your life. Oh, my God. I'm like, (laughs) I just read that now. I'm like, oh, is that what I'm saying? (laughs) Pick something else if you don't like it. No, it's funny. (laughs) I'm going to leave it like that. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Basically, we go through it so that you can publish that high school novel. We know you can do it. (laughs) I love that so much. It sounds like an infomercial for like, publish your high school novel kit. Oh, God. This kit will include a cup to catch your salty tears. And you'd probably see somebody from high school as one of the actors in that that commercial. (laughs) Yes, please. The catharsis. Amazing. Apparently, somebody from our grade school I don't think high school but somebody from our grade school works with my aunt oh okay uh, I won't say their name on air but it's not relevant at all but continue <laughs> no, I thought I you were gonna me... say they published a novel or something and I was gonna be like oh cool my aunt was telling me that they work together mm-hmm. and I was saying like when we were kids how this person was awful to me and would say really mean things basically bullying me guess who it is I'll say it later and my aunt immediately who like she likes this person she goes what <laughs> they did what to you oh i cannot deal with that i'm like this was like 20 years ago like yeah, relax it's just like no no a little bit yeah exactly i'm like relax i'm like i'm over it you don't need to get offended <laughs> she's gonna egg their house like <laughs> i slashed their stop. tires at lunch <laughs> oh <my God>. <laughs> <laughs> could you imagine yeah i could actually because i know your aunt yeah <laughs> <Anyway>. <laughs> How are you? How's your day? <laughs> uh, I don't want to talk about it. Work was really awful. So I've been watching on the weekend. I really relaxed a lot. And I watched this show called Search Party okay. with um, Aaliyah Shockwad is in it. Maybe from Arrested Development, I guess is probably. Like, oh, yes. yes, yes. I know her from most, even though I know she's done a lot of other stuff. But it's really funny. It's like this really twisted, dark comedy about this quartet of friends. There's like four of them in their late 20s who I don't want to spoil it too much. So they're like an accessory to a crime, I guess. Clay and I were arguing about it because he really didn't like it. He watched a few episodes with me because each season is only 10 episodes long and the episodes are like 20 minutes. So they're like really, really bingeable. And uh, he was like, I hate this. How do you like this? And I'm like, what do you mean? It's really well written. It's paced really quickly. It's really funny. So it's engaging. Like, I don't understand. And he's like, but everyone in the show is such a terrible person. So we got (laughs) into this like huge debate about what our criteria for watching TV shows is. Mm-hmm. And one of his is that the people in the TV show have to be likable as characters or else he won't watch it because it's too off-putting for him. And I'm like, I guess I don't have that issue. <laughs> <laughs> I agree with him a little bit. Like when it's a lot of like, I could never get into, I know this isn't the same thing, but I can never get into any of the the Housewives franchises because yes. a bunch of awful people. Like what, yes. how is entertaining? Like, I don't know. Yes. I briefly watched Jersey sure when it was on and so awful (laughs) I don't want to out myself as a terrible person but I definitely watched it as like a it was like at my life might be spiraling into crisis but at least I'm not doing what they are (laughs) like that (laughs) you know I've been having a really bad day so I need to put on some trash television to make me feel like I'm not completely off the rails (laughs) it was exactly my strategy for watching oh my god it helps yes it does um (laughs) so i'm gonna veer left as i usually do with no segue and talk about our guest today so whitney magruder is a self-published ya fantasy author and she also runs a writing and editing business with her husband travis and they have i think this is really cute Uh, Their website is Wit and Travesty. So it's kind of like a play 
on their, on their names. names. Yeah, which I think is really sweet. And she, if you don't remember Gio, she included us in a list of like her favorite LGBT oh, yeah. podcasts, which was really cool. And she talks a lot about writing on her blog. She's really mental health minded about her social media presence. So she gives people in her community an opportunity to check in with her. And she also <laughs> does a little bit of, you know, hey, white people, let's talk about like racial justice issues and kind of calls them to uh, educate themselves or have a little bit more knowledge, which is really cool, I think. Um, so I'm excited to talk to her. She's got a lot going on. And and uh, she recently published the sequel to her first YA novel, which is Destiny Seeker. I believe both books are called Destiny Seeker. And I think they each have, yes, it's Destiny Seeker, The Messenger is book one and Destiny Seeker, The Defender is book two. So The Defender just came out. Very nice. So that's kind of the rundown on Whitney. And I'm excited to get to talk to her. <laughs> Emphasis on run. Does the pine salt? Maybe it's jacking me up instead of making me loopy. <laughs> uh, that's a real thing. Last night I was working on like a, an art piece, like a canvas that I had, and I was using marker on it. Like oh, that, no. like, you know, the like the heavy duty, like Sharpies where you have to like pump to get the ink out. Oh yes, Geo, the pumping. Mm -hmm. it, you do. You, you literally have to pump the, anyway, they're like, they're like huge. And yep. I was give me more visuals, please, of you pumping <laughs> the huge. <laughs> and uh, I was drawing with it, and just because I was in such close proximity to it, because I wanted to like make sure I was doing like the fine line yes. work properly, fully, like my frontal lobe, I guess, I don't know, <laughs> was like vibrating like it was awful i was like oh my god this is not good like, i've somehow reached a higher plane of consciousness <laughs> i don't know if it was higher <laughs> it was something but but anyway <laughs> oh my god that's so funny okay let's go talk to whitney hey hi <laughs> how's it going <laughs> Good. I'm so glad you made it. <laughs> I was worried there for a minute. I've literally been waiting for this all day. And I'm like, of course it's going to happen like this. <laughs> Gio was like, oh no, maybe she ghosted us and yeah. she had followed and blocked you on Instagram. And I'm like, I don't think she would do that. I was like, check if she blocked you. <laughs> Just <in case. laughs> like, uh, we're going to talk about inclusivity and she's going to like totally bail on that. So. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> I'm so glad you could join us finally, though, for real. I'm glad you're awesome. here. So welcome to our podcast, our our little dog and pony show, as we like to call it. Mm -hmm. I'm the pony. Because <laughs> you're a frivolous ribbon whore, okay? <laughs> so Whitney, if it's okay, we're going to jump right into it. But before we start, do you have any questions or anything like that? Are you good to go? Um, I mean, yeah, if audio is good, then let's let's do it. Let's... I'm, I'm the one who's late, so let's get this. <laughs> let's do it. Okay. So what I like to ask people when they come on is just to tell the people who listen, so our 15 listeners, a little bit about yourself. I'm one of them. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Uh, so tell yourself a little bit about what you do <laughs> and what your creative passions are. <laughs> I'm Whitney Magruder and I'm one of those multi-hyphenates. Like I, I love to write, love to edit all things books, but I'm also just really into all things nerdy. Like Travis, my husband has gotten me into D&D, which again is another awesome creative outlet and love Instagram. I don't know if that's really a hobby or a personality <laughs> trait, but it's mine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just really like the aesthetic building hobby that people have nowadays of just collecting cute things. But yeah, it's mostly just writing my my genre of choice is YA fantasy. And so that's mm. what I write and that's what I enjoy reading. That's me. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and my husband, Travis, we actually met as teenagers. We both like to write. And before I even knew what like a beta reader was, that's what he did. Like we were like, oh, let's compare manuscripts. Let's like help each other out. But really I was like, wow, he's really cute. And he cares about my book. This is like amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Part of what I do is like, because I got such a big 
ego boost as a, as a teenager, really to write and to create. Now I'm like, how can I pass on those good vibes to other people? Definitely see that as a through line in your Instagram, because I feel like you use your Instagram. I follow a lot of authors on Instagram and I'll, I would say like 50% of them post like this random pastiche of like, here's what I had for dinner. Have you seen my dog? Like, and here's this thing that I'm putting out. And with you, your aesthetics and your posts and the tone of your posts are really consistent. And there's definitely a community building aspect to them. Yeah. Growing up, I just, I realized that it's really scary to create things, especially when you're doing it by yourself. Like I I had Travis, but I was like, it's just me and him. We're the only writers we know about. (laughs) (laughs) And there wasn't, I mean, thank goodness. There was no, no social media to compare with at the time. Didn't even Mm. have Pinterest to make mood boards. It was just, just me stuck in my own head. Once I reached my twenties and I was like, oh, this is what anxiety is like. It just felt like writing about it, sharing about it, being honest about it helped me get through those times, but also like help other people realize that they're not the only ones who are anxious about trying to create during really tough times or even just like, is this good enough to even finish? Yeah, part of it is is sometimes selfish because it's cathartic for me. I I feel like nowadays it's, it's just so important to have a community with you as you create things. I'm often inspired to create things because of my community. It's kind of like this cycle of just creating for other people and also taking in good feedback, encouragement to keep going. So how did you get started as a writer? That's a good question. So I actually like, thought about this recently I mean like imagine middle school me I am watching the 10th kingdom which I don't know if you guys know this but it's like this think like once upon a time but like a a decade earlier it's a bunch of fairy tale retellings for adults it was like this five-part tv series and I remember watching that as a kid and just being like this is amazing and I basically just decided you know what I want to write some fan art because, or not fan art, sorry, uh, fan fiction. Yes. Um, I was like, on oh my word, perfect. Just writing out this little scene that's like heavily inspired by <laughs> one of the scenes in this show. And it depicts a character, his name is Wolf, and he is turning into a wolf. He's like the Red Riding Hood wolf, right? <laughs> and I was like, this is quality, right? Yes. <laughs> And the duology that I just finished basically started with that one scene. And I am what you would call in in the like writing community, a pantser, meaning like I write by the seat of my pants. So I basically just like made up the rest of the story around this one, one tiny blip. Just like this whole world, this whole story, you know, good versus evil, all just because I was like, man, this is a really amazing scene and I am inspired. <laughs> I just wanted to finish this project. And so middle school, high school, college, I had been tinkering with that project. And when I went to Brigham University, I got my degree in English with editing as a minor. Like I was doing all of that because I was like, I want to finish this one project. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) And then I like finally did it. Like my parents were like, how long will it take to do like the next project? Will it take another decade? Yeah, I think it was just being a kid, just being like, yeah, I could do that. I'm so glad that I still spent a lot of time working on it because early iterations were just like cringy at best. <laughs> Travis can tell you that because yeah, he read some of those early drafts and it's just like, whew, this is this is interesting for sure. <laughs> <laughs> but I think also it was I read a lot as as a kid and I luckily at the time like there was a lot of books coming out by female authors. For, for girls, you know, and you know, like me then I was more like my scope was so small, but I was still like, these are for me, basically. And I wanted to add to that, you know, even though I wrote high fantasy, like 98% of my cast is female <laughs> identifying <laughs> characters, I, I had to like, take some feedback and add some, some, some men in there just <laughs> So it wasn't just like the Amazons, but I was like, <laughs> what if War of the Rings was gender bent, right? That's basically like <laughs> kind of a very, very basic view of what my story is about. Yeah. 
And that's the feedback that Tolkien got too, which was like, his editor was like, could you just add like one female character on here? Like, does it have to be so heavy on the bromance? Like, can we just, (laughs) yeah. But I, I really relate to what you're saying because when I was like 11, 12 years old, that's kind of the time that I started reading Tamara Pierce, who is a fantasy author and she wrote Mm -hmm. geared towards like teen girls. And then I was also reading Harry Potter, obviously. And the confidence with which I produced the most mediocre fan fiction and then like published it online for other people to see with their own <laughs> eyes like unedited like at least yeah like geo read it at least you had did. travis to like help be like mm, maybe not i was just like let it fly let it from my fingers to your eyes let it go <laughs> like like obviously i blessed you with this <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. Like, how get that confidence back? Like, oh my god. So basically, what I'm hearing from you is that you started writing YA fantasy because it was something that you connected with while you were like reading it, and you wanted to add more, kind of like to the canon, right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's my motivation for also writing YA, which I don't think is very good. I don't know. Like, my YA is not very good. So I want to ask you about self-publishing or independent publishing and kind of, because you said that you did a minor in editing. So I'm assuming that in school, you must have learned a little bit about the publishing industry. I don't know, because I don't have a degree in in writing. When I took the classes for the editing minor, I actually had a, a few professors that either had a lot of experience with freelance editing, which was something I was very interested in at the time, or just working with self-published authors. Mm-hmm. And to me, it was interesting because it was, again, just I'm someone who has the audacity to create, looking for other, looking to work with other people who also have the audacity to create. But I think a lot of it was just, I learned a lot of it from, from my degree. I feel like BYU and other schools have done a little bit more to, to kind of add more to that of like just resources and classes that are about self-publishing because Mm -hmm. at the time, like eBooks were coming out. And so everyone was like, oh, the death of the library. Like, will people <laughs> look at paper anymore? And of course, like the answer is any self-respecting reader will have all of the above. Yes. You know, their paperbacks, their hardbacks, and their e-readers. So yeah, a lot of it was just doing my own research online, trying to figure out what was what was going on. The industry was really changing. Yeah, I guess I would just say like what I, what I mainly learned was just like to fight against the stigma of oh if you're self-published then you're publishing garbage or or you're trying to I don't know game the system or whatever when the system itself is not great because even now traditional publishing is still like the wheels are just turning just ever so slightly like maybe we'll have trans authors or maybe just maybe like we'll start publishing books that have you know people of color or just own voices which is like basically people telling their own stories and their own genres, right? So it's more just like, hey, if you actually want to write unbridled, not having to go with someone's expectations or what they feel is quote sellable, then self-publishing is an option. And to me, I was like, well, this means that like, if I never get an agent, then I can still meet this goal of finishing my project, which after doing a lot of soliciting with literary agents, which is basically like, again, you need someone like that to get into the door in the traditional publishing world. I was like, I don't think my project really fits what people are looking for right now. Cause it's more of like an epic fantasy. And right now they're like, does it have a supernatural love triangle? If not, no thanks. Yep. <laughs> I remember learning about that. And then also meeting other authors online who already had so much work under, under their belt online. And I was like, this stuff is amazing. I remember meeting an author, her name is Kara Jorgensen, and she writes, like, you think of, like, Victorian monsters, like, werewolves and vampires, but also, like, all of her characters are part of, like, the LGBTQTIA plus community, and, like, she just had, like, representation all over the place, but not in a, I'm gonna teach you a moral to the story, it's just, like, they're here, they're in this world, and, and they're awesome, you know, and just, like, Mm -hmm. meeting people like that, I was, like, Oh, so there's so much more out there to read besides the books that cater specifically to 
who I am and what I look like. Yeah, like the white straight lady demographic for sure. It's a great demographic, right? (laughs) Well, what's interesting about it is that I think you're speaking a lot of information that people don't necessarily know. So I think it's really like, I love that you're coming on and you're talking about this because usually it's me on my like creaky ass soapbox yelling about it into the void. But that was something I didn't know as kind of like a baby writer or somebody who started with fan fiction and then was like, maybe one day I too will get the six figure publishing deal uh, very naively. And what people don't realize is that, as you said, the publishing, the traditional publishing industry works extremely slowly. There is a ton of gatekeeping and it swings heavily to favor like straight white authors, like male and female, like they are overrepresented in the industry. And solicitation of manuscripts to agents is very time consuming. It's exhausting. It can be very demoralizing if you're starting out and you think you have something worth sharing. And the problem with soliciting agents as well, which I think a lot of people don't realize is that it's not always predicated on the quality of your work. It also has to do with the fact that agents in order to succeed in a competitive industry have to do what they call build their lists. So Mm -hmm. they might look at your manuscript, like you were talking about Whitney and be like, oh my God, I love the characters in this. And I think like the plot's really good and it had me on the edge of my seat. But I know that nobody from the top five are buying epic fantasy manuscripts right now. So this Mm -hmm. is just going to get shelved because I can't do anything with this. I can't make my career as an agent by selling this. And I probably wouldn't be able to sell it anyway. Right. So all of those things are huge barriers. And like you said, self-publishing isn't it, it has changed a lot. I, I definitely take your point of what it must have been like when you were in school and it was an emerging industry. And now you're seeing a lot more people go to self-publishing as just an alternate route, like a way to circumvent gatekeeping and be like, I just want to be able to share my work because I think it's a value and they take it really seriously. Right. But there's so much work. Like, how did you find when you were doing all of the work to bring your two (laughs) books together, like how was that for you to put them together and get them out there and the cover design and all of that stuff? Yeah, it was definitely a situation where um, I thought I knew everything because of this like shiny degree I had, but then I realized that a lot of the learning came from talking to other authors. Like I, you know, I, I mentioned Kara, I almost had like a little pocket of authors of just they all had different genres, different audiences. But like one thing that kept us together is that we we just honestly wanted to help each other. Like I could ask them questions and they weren't thinking like, it, was, it wasn't necessarily like a, oh, like this is my competition or mm-hmm. she needs to do it the hard way like I did. It's, it's more of just like, how can we help each other avoid what can be avoided? Um, as far as the industry and figuring things out, because it's not just like the writing and polishing, but yeah, finding, finding a cover artist, figuring out how Amazon works, figuring out if you even like Amazon enough to use it, because that's a whole other topic of like people using Amazon so much. And you're like, well, Amazon is like any big organization, shady AF, (laughs) which is why I, again, did some research and I found a platform that I'm kind of like helping to grow is called bookshop.org. I heard about it last year back when Instagram was all about like, oh, we should start promoting books with black characters and black authors. Like where's our list, right? Mm -hmm. And, And bookshop basically, which each book that you buy, part of the proceeds go to local bookstores. And of course, like last year with a lot of indie, everyone really like missing out on business. I, I was like, I want to, I want to help build up organizations that support local. It all comes back to, yeah, really asking other authors for, for help, but then also being open to answer questions for people, regardless of how much experience they have, just knowing like, I mean, I think that's what I really like about the self-publishing industry is that lifting up other people, helping other people, it doesn't hurt my platform at all. Mm -hmm. I haven't had any significant consequences using my platform or or using my time and energy to say like, Hey, read this person's book. It's awesome. It's not like, Oh, I can only buy one book with one black character. And that's, that's it. No more. (laughs) You know, know, there's so many out there and there's plenty more to be written and to be distributed. And I don't understand. I think that mentality of, okay, it's 
2019, we have a stacked roster of authors and we have one black author with an own voices like YA. That's enough because like people only want one. I don't understand where that mentality comes from. Do publishers not understand what the fuck fan fiction is? Like, <laughs> it is the same shit over and over and over again. And people just love it. And I'm one of those people. I'm like, man, I read this fic that was really good. I wonder if I could find like seven other fics that are basically the same thing with a slight variation on characterization and dialogue. That's also the publishing industry. Like, come on. I mean, all of my romance authors, they get that and they, and they're the ones getting, getting their coins because they, they know their readers so well and they deliver. They're like, oh, you want pretty much the same thing, but like different pairings or, or, (laughs) you know, just like different occupations. Like we can do this, we can make this work. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Oh my God. So much. Yes. Also, I just want to like quickly, quickly, cause we were plugging and we were talking about, um, sorry, what was the name of the the company that you were talking about? Uh, you mean the bookshop.org mm-hmm. bookshop.org. Yeah. So mm-hmm. the other thing that I wanted to add in there, cause I was thinking about it, um, is that if you don't want to use Goodreads because that is owned by Amazon, you can use the story graph, which is a competitive app that has the same functionality as Goodreads with some extra goodies in there. And it is, nice. it was created by a black woman as well. Yes. FYI. Definitely. Yes. And they are looking for sponsors right now for their beta. That's awesome. Today. Yeah. I yeah that's that's hard because there's even in self-publishing it's still it it feels like it's the same two or three resources available Mm -hmm. and so it's nice to have other avenues to really like get your stuff out there and like I I I just kind of think about like how hard it is to like really get your work out there because not only you're like trying to be creative and create things that you really want to see on the bookshelf but you're also like how do I market? And also like, how do I beg people for reviews and then not read them because it will hurt my feelings. <laughs> it's just a lot. And well, so it's you doing yeah. one thing. And usually that's like a team of people who are doing that, right? Like there are people building hype. There are people taking care of the marketing. There are people, you know, releasing your ARC to NetGalley so that people can request it and build a buzz. Like it's all of that. And Absolutely. you're like, I'm going to do all of this by myself and teach it to myself while I'm doing it. How do you think that white people can use our privilege to do more to support black authors and like First Nations authors and other authors of color in the indie and trad pub industry? I don't know that much about the publishing industry i do know that there are certain spaces online that for authors of color are unsafe because of racism like fandom is a really big one and i because i'm not that integrated into the self-publishing community i'm not sure if that's if that's the case i would assume it is just based on how the fucking internet works but (laughs) so i think one one thing that that we can that we can do I'm speaking as a cis straight white lady is just understand like I think in order to be creative and really like tap into that in order to you know create these characters and create these worlds like I I feel like you have to have some kind of compassion empathy just curiosity about how the world works around you you know in preparation for this interview I was just thinking about the the books that I read the movies I watched and just thinking like part of that foundation is not only realizing like everyone has a story I mean that does sound very cliche but like everyone has a perspective an experience that is worth bringing up if you want to you know at least create an environment where everyone feels safe you know in the real real world or in, you know, online or even in your stories, things like that. I feel like that has helped me again, where when, when I say like, I have had no consequences with promoting other authors that are, you know, specifically because they have different voices from me. Like, I really mean that. Uh, Cause I think a lot of times uh, last summer with more people understanding a little bit more about Black Lives Matter, the organization and like the idea that Black Lives Matter, I could sense that a lot of the white authors, whether they were experienced or not, were like, so if I write these books where I'm the default, am I racist now? Am I am I going to get blacklisted in this industry? And like, the thing is, like, that's never going to be a problem for us. Yeah. 
you know, like reality, like, (laughs) yeah, I'm never, I'm never going to be like, man, I wish that there was a movie about a, about a white blonde woman. Like (laughs) I've got those in spades, right? Just understanding that like other people have those stories and all you have to do is just at minimum, get out of people's way. Mm -hmm. And then once you have that down, I think just like being openly excited for other people. I haven't really talked about this yet, but like, I also come from a very conservative space. I'm a member of the church of Jesus Christ, the Latter-day Saints. I remember meeting people in the church or out of the church. I went to school in Utah where it's like 70, 80% Mormon. And I remember meeting people who um, were coming out as, as gay or trans or things like that. I remember thinking like, I don't want I don't want them to necessarily get hurt or die or whatever, but like they can be over there and I'll be over here. And I realized that that is a good idea, but that's not the goal. And so I was like, how can I be more explicit? How can I be more clear that I love these people that I actually care about my friends, not just in like a you do you kind of way. I feel like that's still kind of very neutral, but just like, how can I fully say like, no, like you belong here. Like um, you belong here and in, in my space, you know, and in my life. And yeah. And so I would, I would encourage other authors, like if you can be really clear about, you know, in, in this space, like on my, on my platform, like you have a space here. I, I think it just helps other people feel like, okay, I'm at least in a neutral, safe space where I can actually create the things I wanted to create. Like we get down to the reason why we're here in the first place, you know, because I imagine it's hard to speak up when you feel like I'm going to be shut down or I'm going to be unnecessarily critiqued because I'm, you know, I'm playing with a whole other set of rules. And if people feel like, oh, like I can actually just have peace and quiet and actually make something like that's really like the whole point of being inclusive and, and being very deliberate about it. Instead of being like tokenistic, right. Which is like, Oh, this I'm fine with this. Like, because optically that's where I should be, but I don't want it near me or whatever. And I think like, for me, I definitely had that moment, which I think many white people had where I was like, man, I don't want to only write white characters because I feel like that is a, like, it's just not the story that I want. Like my world is more diverse and inclusive than that and I want to tell stories but the own voices movement is necessary and we need more authors who are speaking from their own lived experiences but I also think that we as white people need to really challenge ourselves to read more outside of our lived experiences and then if you are creating characters really question deeply whether it's your story to tell but I would hope that people are writing diversely and they're writing with compassion and they're writing with knowledge that they gain from reading so much outside of their own little, their own little identity box. Do you know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. I I feel like the answer is always just like more books forever, (laughs) just more content forever. You are not going to get a disagreement from me on that. (laughs) I know I'll never reach the end of my TBR, my to read pile, but mm-hmm. you know what? Let's keep adding more. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> That's how I feel too. hundred percent. So you dovetailed into this a little bit, so we're just going to go for it. So you said you were part of the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Um, and I know just from following you online that your religion is an important part of who you are. So you mentioned in your guest form that you filled out for us that you decided to keep that for the most part off of your author platform. And I'm just interested in how you came to that decision and like what you've noticed about like how that influences your platform versus kind of like your other interactions online. So I I think the reason why, um, I I think one of the reasons why I took it off is again, like you were saying, um, a lot of authors, it, their, their accounts are very business and personal mixed together. And, and I, I decided, you know, if I'm going to talk about my religion, I'm going to keep it on Facebook (laughs) because that's, I'm talking to people who are also part of the church, understand the culture. And if anything, if I'm talking about my religion, I'm critiquing the culture. And so (laughs) sure, like that kind of detracts from, from my YA fantasy. Right. Yeah. So it's more of just like, how can I keep my platform consistent? 
I know that's kind of hard because um, I'm, I'm still very vulnerable and open about like my personal life. I just think it's, I, I try to be open about things that relate to other writers, other, or just um, the genre that I'm working with. I feel like it, it would be appropriate to mention my faith if I was a Christian author. That basically just means that like, you know, like when you're reading their book, religion plays a huge part of that book. But even if it's fiction, it's like the main character is either going through like a faith transition or faith helps them solve a problem things like that. And so, um, yeah, and, and it, but I still run into a lot of, um, Christian authors that are still like, Hey, I'm, I'm actually trying to not use my religion to hurt other people. (laughs) We could get into that for sure. But like, I kind of felt like I, I wanted people to know more about my writing and just my, just like my, my principles and not necessarily the church in front of it. And I think that, that may sound weird to people who are part of a faith because you are taught like to shine your light and people will notice your glow and things like that. Yeah. I, I was a missionary for 18 months and I'm like, I did, I did it. I did that part. And, I'm, <laughs> and it was, it was a crazy time. And, and I know that like, it's already hard enough to talk about religion um, in person when, when you are a missionary. And so I'm more just I am, I am more rather than saying like, I am a spokesperson for this church is more of just, I am, I'm representing my creative work. I don't really talk about religion very much in my books. Um, but a lot of fantasy does touch on that, you know, cause politics, religion, it's still, I mean, Star Wars, hello. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> like there's a lot of those real world themes that kind of bleed into fantasy and fiction. But um, yeah, I would say that's probably the main main thing is just kind of keeping the conversations consistent. I don't necessarily hide that. It's just that I know that my audience is mainly here for for the books and not necessarily for the sermons. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's like, if you want to create a space that's more inclusive, I I don't think it's controversial to say that um, depending on how people feel about like the church's position on certain things, as I smack my mic, it's tradition <laughs> in every episode, it can be difficult to allow people to relax or feel safe in a space if they know that like that's going to come into it as well. Do you know what I mean? Like personally for me, having left a church I know that like if I see a space where the person online is like always talking about their faith and stuff like that I might choose not to engage just because it can trigger some stuff for me even if they're not intending to you know what I mean it's not a personal thing it's well it's personal to me but not about them right it's not an unpersonal attack on you specifically but exactly yeah yeah and that's just a huge part of Instagram part of self-marketing is that you're really trying to speak the language of your target audience like you're trying to almost say like the secret password that they know that like oh like this is this is where I belong like yes they're they're you know I mean that's what is a book book blurb if not like here are all the the secret words that you want like you know the like what kind of characters are here or what kind of uh tropes are you are you in for type of a thing yeah exactly one of my author friends recently had her book shelved at like a bookstore like an independent bookstore in pnw and they actually put a hashtag on it that was like there's only one bed and i was like that's incredible (laughs) (laughs) like the perfect way to attract your ideal reader Why do you think it's important that mental health is becoming a more visible topic in conversation, particularly within the writing community? A lot of authors tend to start off as, you know, they're, this is kind of like a solo project. You know, they're, they're writing this whole book by themselves and they're trying to, you know, and also writing this book, but also just having all of those self doubts in their mind. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it can take, I mean, every author is different, but it usually takes months, years to really hash out a story. Even if you get a first draft, you're like, well, now I have to like edit this again. And that's never fun. Um, <laughs> I have to read what self-editing I wrote? is the worst. <laughs> Excuse me. No, thank you. Yeah. And so being, being open about what is quote normal is, is so helpful and helping authors, whether, whether they wanted to do things all by themselves or, 
work with other people. I think, again, it's just knowing like, oh, I'm not alone in this and I can get out of my own way and create. And I think one early example that really helped me was um, I think early on, I just, I think I just wrote something to the effect of like, I don't write every day. And sometimes I feel really bad about that. But then other authors were like, I also don't write every day. So either like, that's not a big deal. Or also like, I can't believe you said that. And I was also not like in a bad way, but just like yeah. can't someone actually spoke what's true. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, because there, there are a lot of authors out there that say, you know, in order to perfect your craft, you really need to write every day. And I'm not saying that that's bad, but also if you have a full-time job, if you have children, if you have pets, if you're living through a pandemic, it's really hard to be like, I love writing so much every day <laughs> for like an hour. And I think a lot of times, authors say a lot of self-deprecating jokes or a lot of just or just expect a lot of themselves in order to write these things and again you have to kind of stop and think now why did I want to be a writer in the first place it wasn't because I wanted like a punishment project um (laughs) like there's so many other people out there they're trying to knock you down like try to try to be not that person to yourself you know I don't know there's a therapist I follow on on Instagram speaking of mental health like her her tagline is don't be a butthole to yourself and so I think about that a lot when I talk about mental health where it's like um writing can be very cathartic where you write down exactly how you feel no filters no will this make someone mad or whatever when you just actually say what's happening and you can actually figure out what's holding you back, you know, what's, what's blocking you from doing or being what it is you want to do or become. I think a lot of times when I talk about mental health, that's almost giving other people permission to say their own piece. Again, like there's so many stories out there that, that go beyond different groups of people, you know, and I think mental health is one of those things that almost everyone can relate to regardless of where they, where they're coming from. Yeah. I I like to be the kind of person that's like, I'll go first and then you can go second, you know, and keep going so that when people are actually sitting down to write books, they're not thinking, yeah, they're thinking more about like, I'm here, I'm ready to write. And I'm going to do this project that brings me some semblance of joy Um, (laughs) rather than, rather than like, why am I doing this? You know? And And I think a lot of writers are actually scared that if they stop and think about that, they'll stop writing. And which I would say, maybe you need a break. Again, if it's hurting you, if it's stressing you out, I don't think what you're actually creating is going to be good (laughs) per se. Like it's it's going to be kind of, yeah. Unless you're tapping into a character who's dealing with those same feelings, then maybe it'll be really good. (laughs) (laughs) If all of your characters are anxious, like (laughs) that's great. I think it does help to normalize it though, because I know, especially that write every day, that's one of the first advice, like pieces of advice that they'll give you in almost every like intro to writing course or like a webinar or any like one-off thing that you go to. They'll be like, yeah, you have to write every day. Like every serious author writes every day and you have to find time. You have to do this and that. And, um, I write every day, but it's not always creative writing. Um, and a lot of the time I'm using my energy for that. I would like to put into my creative writing for writing stuff that I don't give a crap about emails and stuff like that. Or people ask me to proofread stuff for them all the time because they know that I have strong reading comprehension and I'm interested in it and stuff like that. And that uses up a lot of my energy, especially because I tend to do it for free, which maybe is a different conversation, but, uh, <laughs> know your yeah. worth in ad tax. Yeah, I know. <laughs> G- look at Gio. Gio is right there with you. He's Listen, like, absolutely not. I'm at a point now where on the free thing, just because all of us can relate on some level where they'll pry, they'll poke, they'll be like, Hey, like I had recently a client who already this client, it was difficult you know, wanted more for less as always. And then would send me like DMs asking me questions about things that like I charge people for. Oh, can I get your advice on this? Can you look at this? Can you prove? And I did it for a bit. And then (laughs) this is literally like a week ago. They wrote me saying, Hey, I, can you get, can you just tell me like what fonts would go good with this? Cause they didn't want in the original package that we had done for the brand. They didn't want to go with that. They're like, no, I don't, I don't need all that. I just want the logo. And so I said, Mm -hmm. if you're asking for a consultation, book me this week. Yeah. (laughs) And, and then I got left on, I was left on red for about 24 hours. And then, and then they responded with, 
I really appreciate you being so direct with like whatever. Like, and I was like, I'm not working for free. Like, I just, I'm not doing it. Like I've done enough for you, you know? So anyway, Renee, charge. I know. <laughs> long I know. story long. Charge. I know, I know, I know. But yeah, anyway. <laughs> definitely either charge or what, what I do, because, you know, most authors, it's really expensive to self-publish. A lot of times we'll just do a service swap. So like if, if you really desperately need an editor or a beta reader it's like I'll do your manuscript if you do mine and making sure that it's like the same amount of pages same amount of words so it's not like a novella versus a trilogy type of a thing but like but yeah setting some kind of expectation of like I can maybe like direct you to some other people or give you some links I I guess I was bringing that up because I said before like people you know ask me questions or I ask them questions but definitely like boundaries are still really important question i've gotten to a point now where i i'm very contractually focused (laughs) if that's even a term where like i like to get everything in writing because i've done enough i've gotten ripped off enough times where the expectations or the parameters of what the project was were like there was the boundaries were there weren't there weren't any and so i would lose out on money (laughs) or whatever did not exist okay (laughs) yeah the boundary does not exist and so (laughs) In your case, because I don't really know much about the writing world other than the guests that we've had on and then speaking to Renee, but do you make a point to have contracts in place when it comes to any sort of... You and Travis are doing editing, right? Yeah. So we have um, we have an LLC called Wit and Travesty. I love that. And that's... that's... <laughs> it's so cute. Travis came up with the name. He's a yes! genius. Yes! Oh, tell him he's a genius. <laughs> Definitely with that, we have we have contracts for that. We do, so with editing, there's so many different layers. It could be anything from, I'm a spell checker, uh, being, you know, like I'm a glorified spell checker versus like something like developmental editing. That's like, okay, so this scene was really slow, uh, but we needed more explanation here. You're talking more about like the story building aspect, but like with that, you have to be very specific. Like what exactly do you want me to look at so yeah. that I'm not wasting your time, your money. I'm not wasting my time since we're still kind of small and new. Like we do work with friends and you still yeah. need a contract with your friends, you know? Absolutely. I mean, I definitely haven't been ghosted by them or like we've had very good experiences, but I think starting out with like, this is a professional situation. So I'm treating it as such. I'm treating mm-hmm. you as a client and you're treating me as your freelance editor, things like that. You don't have to be mean about it. I think no. a lot of times people are worried about being mean, but it's like, do you want to cry about this later? Yes or no? <laughs> 100%. And that's the thing where it, you have to put your foot down because at the end of the day, you have built this thing with your name on it and it's important to you. And there are people that even if they're longtime friends, some people try to... F- you know, get more out of you. And it's like friend discount. Right. And it's like, I don't like that. Like, Oh, like when right off the bat where they, you start to interact with them or um, like start, you know, talking about working together and they like put it out there where it's like, Oh, you know, I'm like, no, like I know. However, I will say that I wanted to page you for designing my wedding invitations and I ran him ragged over them because I was <laughs> such an asshole. I was like, I don't oh, yeah. know what I want. I forgot it about that. Like this, it could be like that. And he did like 57 different designs for me for free and he would not accept payment. Take your own advice. Um, what did you, you to- say, Winnie? Hold on one second. Know your worth and add tax. I am obsessed yeah. with that. I'm going to repeat that a million times. It's now. definitely one of those like hashtag girl boss. Listen, all I can say is that looking back, that was a learning experience for me to always get things in writing. Yeah. You're welcome. And (laughs) (laughs) whatever. (laughs) I mean, I I still want to put this out there. Like I mentioned my husband Travis, he's he's a writer, he's also an editor. We basically have matching degrees. Um I still need and and he edited both of my books we still got it in writing what was like yeah. expected because I don't know if this is awkward to you, but like, you know, I'm like waiting for some feedback and like he's on the Xbox or whatever. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah. I'm like, Oh, I need to set expectations of like, in order to meet my publication date, I need the edits here so mm-hmm. that I can look through them. You know, I want, I have a timeline. I'd like to meet it. And so even with someone as, you know, like, you know, my best friend of 15 years, like you still, you still need that contract just because expectations 
make the world go around and makes everything happier. I definitely don't want him to regret working with me on this project. <laughs> and I would expect the same thing from him. Um, I mean, right now he's not really working on novels. He's doing more just like writing for his own benefit, just something that he likes to do. But if he were to ever ask me to proofread something for him, I, I would want to know, like, at least when do you want it to be done? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, or like when he edited these these manuscripts and they are not short by any means. <laughs> I mean, epic fantasy tends to run like a minimum 400 pages, right, each. And so I was like, do you want something nice? Do you want like, <laughs> can I can, can we pay for something that's like for something you. equivalent of a, of a paycheck, right? Because another Xbox, right? <laughs> <laughs> something like that it's more like this 3d printer right here (laughs) so a man of taste a man of taste Mm -hmm. it's still not as much as he should have earned based off of our rates but it worked (laughs) out right (laughs) yeah yeah going off of what Gio said I I think you have to take yourself seriously in order for other people to take you seriously Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that's another part of attracting either people to work with or people to buy your books, your art, things like that, is you really have to set, I don't do things for free and there's nothing wrong with that. And there are people out there who do want to throw their money at at local or or indie folks. And so like, again, I I think a lot of times we worry that there's not enough of those people out there. I'm one of those people where I'm like, oh, they're charging $50 for a print. Um, I think it's a steal, right? Especially if it's, you know, something on Etsy where it's, even if it's just like a print of like an oil canvas or whatever. I, I love digital art so much. I've got, I got it all over my walls, but yeah. We are just like, oh, it's only this much. Like knowing how much time it takes to create things. Yes. Yeah. And valuing the work. Yeah. There's someone out there for you. And I'm at a point now where I'm in the same, where I'm like, I'm not settling for, I don't want to be nickel and dimed or whatever, because I know that there are people that will pay for this. And those are the people that I want to work with because I don't have to explain my process. I don't have to explain why I'm doing this. And and it's just, and then it's because they exist. You just have to, you know, put your feelers out. There's nothing worse than someone who basically gives off the air that they're doing you a favor by interacting with your work you know because there there are some people out there it's kind of a thing now where people will approach me and my dms and they're like i will review your book for fifty dollars i'm like are you kidding me you can buy the ebook for five (laughs) dollars yeah also i don't want to have to pay people to like me (laughs) it's kind of bad i mean it's definitely charging your worth and adding tax but like in the opposite direction (laughs) and and for most of those encounters I'm like I don't think I am the author you want to work with I try to Mm. say it as nicely as possible but kind of saying like I am not your person yeah maybe there's someone out there who's like sure honey I'll give you 50 dollars to give me a five-star review yeah my daddy will pay for it it's I wanted to give you a chance if you wanted to to talk about your duology and kind of like what the setting and the premise is to to hype people up this is your your time we're giving you the full spotlight promo the shit out of your books do it (laughs) oh man and also like that's like literally almost every author's like least favorite questions what are your books about it's Mm -hmm, like oh no (laughs) oh no My duology, it's um, an epic YA fantasy. We basically follow my main character, Ilse, and she's on on this very small island. Magic is everywhere, and she's kind of stuck there because magic realizes that she's one of the few people who can escape. And so she does so in order to figure out what is basically keeping her people on this island. Mm. Um, She is a ice chanter, which means that she has ice powers. So this, again, before Elsa, before Avatar... All yeah. those like cool stories that are better than mine. <laughs> but like, but she basically meets people on the mainland and kind of figure out, oh, there's like a bigger plot going on, bigger fish to fry. And so she basically joins in their efforts in order to get their help to basically free her people. And so as I say that, I'm like, that's basically it covers a lot of values that I have of just like getting out of your own comfort zone, meeting people, listening to them, getting that perspective to help your community. It's basically following that story. It's whole cast of mostly female characters. (laughs) (laughs) Um, There is a, there is like a couple male love interests in there just 
tossed in because apparently people like romance. <laughs> so I'm complaining for underrepresentation. <laughs> I know it's something I'm working on. <laughs> I like it. Okay, I'm gonna try to. Um, you can tell me if I'm I'm wrong or right about this. For people who don't know this in the publishing industry, sometimes when you're pitching books, they'll ask you for comp titles, which is like what's out now that you could compare or what's popular that you could compare your book to. So I heard a little bit of Frozen. That would be like a, a Frozen plus like Maze Runner maybe plus like Hunger Games maybe a little bit. Um, mm -hmm. And I'm trying to think of like a good high fantasy with a bunch of different, um, I don't know. Um, so Kristen Kishore is one of the authors I was inspired by. Oh, okay. Um, just like her magic systems. She also has really great inclusivity for early readers. I think it's one of the first books that I read where the character, I mean, this is like a high fantasy setting, but like they were basically using some form of birth control and you're like, snaps yeah. for that, snaps for protection, <laughs> things like that, you know? And so I would say like that, Kristen Kishore, she wrote Graceling. Yeah. I mean, it's a book, but it's a book that, <laughs> that I would say is a comp title. <laughs> I mean, a lot of people do compare it to Lord of the Rings, not in the sense of like, I'm going to write fan fiction about it, but just more like <laughs> the long epic journey to get to that mountain. Yes. It's, yes. it's similar where rather than like a punchy go, go, go sort of YA trend, it's, it's a, it's a long game, slow burn. Man, that's how Tamara Pierce did it though. She was doing, she maybe not the high fantasy, but she was definitely doing fantasy and there was not a lot of punchy stuff happening it was mostly just Atlanta flailing around in the song of the lioness quartet trying to figure out how to be a boy <laughs> like, aren't we all <laughs> yeah, right I want to be a real boy oh my god same <laughs> really Gio do you want to ask your favorite question thanks girl <laughs> <laughs> I just love that you ask it I just love it if you had to look back at your creative journey so far and give it a theme, what would it be and why? And why? I would say major themes are just empathy, compassion, mental health, for sure. Basically just reaching out to other people in order to better understand yourself, but definitely creativity, getting out of your own way, getting out of other people's way, for sure. Yeah, I, I would say that, yeah, I, I feel like I've, been using all this time and space just so that other people feel safe to be who they are and create what they want because all of it's great. I, yeah, I, I love what other people create and do. And so I would say like just making my own things, but also sharing the spotlight with other people. I feel yeah. like it makes things more fun. I think as like readers, I, I, that's one of the things that I think is such a commonality among so many authors that we talk to, but even other creative people, like we love looking at stuff. We love reading stuff. We love seeing things that people have put their heart and soul into. And I think that part of what drives us to create just on an instinctive level is that that moment of somebody like recognizing what you've put into your creative work and going, oh my God, yes. And then you get to connect over that, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that is the thing that keeps us creating. Every act of creating is is reaching out. It's inviting people to know us, right? Yeah. And, and maybe I just have low standards, but <laughs> honestly, like I just when, when other when other people make things, even if it's not my go-to genre, I'm still like, yeah, you still did it. You still did all this work. Mm -hmm. There must be something to this story if it took you years to bring it to the forefront, right? We know what it's like to put the work in to create yeah. something. And so when somebody is not involved in the work and they don't, and they can just easily be like, no, no. Even if it's not for you, you know that it took effort. You know that it took, yeah. it took something out of that person in a good way. You know what I mean? And so it, it's valid. Even if I don't, you know, if I don't want to see like a, a painting with like someone being murdered like you know I don't know you know what I mean like I, I don't like gore like you know I don't know, you know what I'm saying like it's still like oh that took a lot of of time and effort yeah <laughs> right yeah it's regardless of of genre or or whatever yeah it takes so much work to just mm -hmm. make it make sense to the people who will value it the most mm -hmm. and yeah it's it's very hard to reach people when they're like I don't like it and you're like you could also cool. go into film you could go you could mm -hmm. write your own book and they're like no and yeah. you're like well then there's 
okay, you're stuck. <laughs> I, this is okay. So first of all, I love Nicole Byer and she says this all the time. It's not for me. And I love that. Yeah. And I took it and I was like, I'm going to say this. And I also have seen this of course in fandom spaces or fan fiction spaces. And sometimes on Instagram, uh, shutting the fuck up is a hundred percent free. It's just free. You don't have to pay to do it. So if you don't like it, you don't have to say anything about it. You know what I mean? And, and granted, if it's not offensive to you on some level, like that's a whole different thing. But if it's like, if you're like me and it's just not, or you're like Geo and you don't like gore and you don't want to see a painting of somebody being murdered, <laughs> you can just not look. <laughs> right. Yeah. And at least in the writing world, a lot of authors tend to at least add trigger warnings, mm-hmm. like on the, like at the very beginning or in their blurb, like, that you know this this you know like movies they have ratings like may have strong language may I mean when they have a warning it's because there is strong language but like strong language violence assault things like that so if it's definitely like not for you because you do not want to see that yeah you don't want to skip through it then yeah but it's not to say like oh like that was a terrible piece of art because it didn't touch on the topics or people that interest me yes yeah literally they were thinking of someone else and that's okay so this is the last time that we're going to bother you to brag yourself. So do it. So where <laughs> can you do it enough? <laughs> yeah, you have to do it some more. Where can people find you online um, if they want to find more of your work or sign up for your newsletter or buy a copy of Destiny Seeker, The Messenger or The Defender? Well, I have my author platform. It's called witandtravesty.com. There are links there to to buy all the things, sign up for all the things. But I feel like if you really want to connect with me, I live on Instagram and my <laughs> handle is at wit, the number two, N-E-Y. So wit to me, kind of like listen to me. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I, I tend to use those two platforms the most. My books are on bookshop.org and Amazon, pretty much everywhere else. Thanks to Ingram Sparked again reach out if you want signed copies. I, I'm doing, um, signed, they're called like book plates. They're just basically glorified stickers that you can put in the book. Say, to say you have a signed copy, you know, trying to keep things pandemic friendly. Uh, wittentravesty.com is also where all of my editing rates are. So if you would like my expertise and advice on editing, but also just self-publishing in general, my rates are there. (laughs) (laughs) My rates are there. Plus tax. I, I, I chose to be very clear about the rate so people can basically calculate it before they even approach me. So you can definitely like look at that and not feel scared to email me. I like that approach. Winnie, thank you so much for, yes, thank you. for coming to talk to us. I really appreciate you taking the time and the extensive effort to break into the Zoom meeting. <laughs> Can't hold me back. It's <laughs> No, it was great. It was great being here. I mean, I've been enjoying the other episodes you have, and it's just great to be a part of it. You guys are awesome. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Thank you. I will be in your DMs at some point, I'm sure. I'm always responding to the stuff you put on Instagram because it's adorable. Thanks. This was awesome, you guys. Thank Thank you you. so much. Goodbye. great i really enjoy talking to other authors and hearing kind of like their journey and i really hope that our conversation with whitney just speaks to other people like if you are writing if you are trying to write if you're like oh you know i don't consider myself an author but like maybe i have a story i want to tell whitney took like 10 years to tell the story that she wanted to tell and she did it like huge 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 it might take a bit of time, but everyone's timeline is so different. Yes, 100% accurate. Oh. I know you like talking to authors. Every single person you've had on is an author, except for... Michelle. Michelle. Yes, and Lanny, who we will yeah. have on at some point. They are a visual artist, but they also write. So I guess it's like... Nah. <laughs> it's so funny when you said earlier, you're like, oh, I n- we never speak to writers. I was like, that is a lie. That is a lie. <laughs> that is a lie. <laughs> the majority of people we talk to are not writers, I feel like. Sure, I'll, I'll agree with that. <laughs> okay, all right. Okay, all right. Well, we're both bad at math, so I don't know. <laughs> Well, thanks for listening to me. And to me. And if you have any questions or want to know more about, I don't know, what do people want to know more about? If they want to see any live streams or videos, 
what <laughs> why because we have so much video material we don't have that much no oh. but well i mean we have the video of this um if you want to talk to me more about writing or to whitney you can dm off dm us on social media at listen to me pod or email us at listen to me at gmail.com i have a question hmm. have you checked out our patreon yet because it is so sparkly. Yes. If you go to patreon.com slash listen to me pod to find out more about how you can get a bunch. Wait, go got to. Oh, my God. Sorry. That yeah, you just like you inserted an if in there. Uh, the go is my typo. Sorry. I was like, I've never wrote this. So that's all you, girl. <laughs> no, but you said if you were like, if you go to Patreon, but there is no if. Yeah, because <laughs> you I, just put it you in know there. When your mind tries to like <laughs> fix it. Go to patreon.com slash listen to me pod to find out more about how you can get a bunch of stuff that is fun and you can support the show. The music in this episode is, as ever, provided by audionautics.com. One of these days, uh, we're going to get their attention. We should yeah. reach out to them and say, hey, just so you know. We're using the stuff we, you put out. We use you. <laughs> now use us. <laughs> anyway, goodbye. Lonely man. Lonely man. <laughs> <laughs> You're so lonely. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs>